Hello everybody, it is Michael here and I'm back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Before we get into what I'm going to talk about today, I want to give you guys a huge shout out. I really appreciate the support I got on the trailer and the first episode. So keep downloading, keep sharing it with your friends. I really appreciate it. Now let's get on to what we're going to talk about today. So as you may know, the NBA is back. It started, all these games count now. So I'm going to be breaking down what happened in every single game. I'm going to be bringing you guys six new scouting reports. I'm going to be talking about the Tom Thibodeau hire for the Knicks. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about the NFL's return. First, let's start off with the first game, Jazz vs. Pelicans. So Mike Conley looked pretty solid this game, scoring 20 points on 7 from 16 from the field and 2 of 7 from 3. Wasn't a great game, but the bar is pretty low for Mike Conley at this point, so that's pretty solid. He... Uh, Jordan Clarkson continued to be a, a key piece for them off the bench, even though he was pretty bad from three, only shooting one of eight. Uh, Rudy Gobert was very solid, and he came up super big, hitting two clutch free throws at the end of the game. Donovan Mitchell struggled a lot while being uh, guarded by Drew Holiday. And the chemistry between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell didn't seem to be an issue, which was a good thing. Um, now onto the Pelican side. Drew Holiday looked great on both ends. Whoever he was guarding was getting locked up and was struggling a ton. Uh, Brandon Ingram looked amazing in the early game, and even though he struggled later in the game, he was still aggressive, getting to his mid-range spots and still taking those shots. Lonzo's shot was really bad. He struggled with efficiency a ton, but he still had a solid all-around Lonzo game with like six assists, getting boards, getting steals, doing the normal Lonzo stuff. Uh, Zion is still being super efficient, but he played very limited minutes as they're trying to ease him back in as he did leave the bubble for some family emergencies. And the thing that I noticed a lot is his awareness on the defensive end really needs to improve because even though he has the, the raw athleticism, his awareness is super poor and sometimes he'll get blown by off ball and stuff like that. So he really needs to prove on that to unlock his defensive potential and it was definitely disappointing seeing him not close out the game and he he came out well he didn't come out but there was reports that he's very frustrated that he didn't close the game too which makes sense and JJ Redick was a really good piece for them off the bench now on to a huge game we got Clippers versus Lakers uh on for the Clippers side Kawhi was super good for them, scoring with really good efficiency and getting to the line with ease. PG looked healthy and was amazing. He caught fire from three at one point and just scored in bunches. He was really good. And if we get a healthy PG, that is scary because I think a lot of people really forgot about how good PG is and that he was a top three MVP candidate last year and was considered like a top eight player. But this season's been a little weird for him as he's kind of had constant injuries and we've never really seen him get hot but if he can get hot during this bubble he's going to be huge for the Clippers potentially making a run for the championship. Uh, Reggie Jackson looked really bad but he'll never have to play that many minutes for them as Patrick Beverly another player who left the bubble played limited minutes only playing 16 minutes. Marcus Morris continues to be terrible as a Clipper, and he still hasn't made a single shot while they've played the Lakers. So he really needs to step up because even though he's not uh, 
very important for them. He's going to be a piece in helping them win. So if he continues to be a ball stopper and making shots, they're just going to have to take him out of the game and play a little bit smaller. Now moving on, uh, Landry Samet played terrible. It's weird because I see Landry Samet as a pretty consistent player. He's just mainly a shooter, but he was just turning the ball over, missing his shots. He looked awful. And they really struggled to guard AD without fouling. Uh, Avika Zubak got four fouls in only 15 minutes of play. So that's a huge issue for them is how are they going to guard AD without constantly fouling fouling them. Uh, they also didn't have Lou Williams and Matras Harrell off the bench. So I'm not super scared about them losing because it was only a two-point game. And they lost two six-men-of-the-year candidates who play a big part in their team. Even though Lou Williams has been a negative when they've played the Lakers because he gets targeted on defense a lot, he can still score in bunches and bring a lot to that team. And Montrose Harrell has been really good this year and a great scorer for them off the bench. All right, now moving on to the Lakers. Uh, AD was dominating. He was getting to the free throw line at will. Like I said, they really struggled to guard him without fouling. and But... It wasn't even him getting to the free throw line. At a certain point, he was hitting step back mid ranges, hitting threes. He was really doing it all for the Lakers, and he was just amazing that game. And if they can't figure out a way to guard him, it's going to be a huge issue if that's the playoff series. And LeBron struggled to shoot and sometimes looked pretty passive as a scorer, but he was really good on defense. He had some. Very impressive stops on Kawhi and Paul George. He's stepped up late in game and made the stop to help them win the game. He also uh, hit the game-winning shot. And he was doing normal LeBron things, making good plays, uh, passing very well. He was getting rebounds. And even though I was a little disappointed that basically every game he's played the uh, Clippers, he's struggled to shoot. To shoot. And he's looked passive. But overall, he had a very good game. And seeing him be pretty dominant with 16 points and shooting that inefficiently was really impressive. So it was a very interesting game for him. And I'll be I'll be just really interested to see how a playoff LeBron will be. Because I don't know if it's just he's not like going full throttle. But just every time he's played the Clippers... He just hasn't looked that good other than the other parts of the game like the defense and the rebounding and the scoring, but the, uh, the passing. But the scoring every time has been super disappointing, so I'll really want him to step uh, up in the playoffs, and he's going to need to do that if they're going to beat the Clippers, and especially when closing the game. So I was happy to see him uh, close the game out and start being more aggressive then. And Kuzma and Waiters both stepped up really big off the bench. Kuzma shot like four for seven from three, hit multiple big shots. And the thing about Kuzma is he's just a very inconsistent player. But as long as he's hitting his shots and he's not trying to go out of his way to uh, take the ball out of LeBron or AD's hands, he'll be a good piece for them. So if he just stands does his catch-and-shoot stuff, and plays good enough defense, which I was actually impressed. He played some pretty solid defense. And then Dion Waiters was really good, just hitting, like, mid-ranges, hitting some threes, and bringing, again, like I've said before, he just brings them some 
a different look because he brings them some more playmaking and some more dribbling. So I really liked how he played. The refs were very foul-happy. They called a lot of offensive fouls. AD got to the line a ton, and while I do think he'll get to the line a ton in any game against the Clippers just because they don't have that size or that big who will step up and be a great defender on him, I definitely don't expect, and it'll be interesting to see in the playoffs when the Clippers are at full strength with Williams and Montrezl Harrell, uh, when we got play it down LeBron, and then when we have a slowdown game, and I expect there to definitely be a lot less fouls. So I'm just excited. I really hope, no matter what, this is a playoff series, and I'll be super disappointed if they're not. But if it is, we'll have some amazing games because every single game – uh, with these two teams, it's been really good and it's been a ton of fun to watch. So it'll be fun going on the next couple months and see where that goes. All right, now moving on. This is one of the games I paid the least amount of attention to because two teams that are pretty irrelevant. The Nets versus Magic. The Nets don't have anybody. I'll just start off with them. The Nets are terrible, but at least this gives Karis Lever some... Uh, time to just shoot as much as he wants and maybe boost his trade stock so they can trade for a guy like Bradley Beal if he becomes available or, or they were also talking about trading for a guy like Zach Levine I'll just talk about that right now uh, because I don't really care much about this game I really don't like the Zach Levine fit for the Nets Zach Levine is definitely a good player for sure but I just don't think he fits with that team because they already got Kyrie and KD, and their biggest issue is at the four. And honestly, I'd rather much, I'd much rather just keep the depth of having Karis LeVert and like Spencer Dinwiddie than having Zach Levine, because the Nets already have plenty of scoring and a backcourt of Zach Levine and Kyrie. Even though Zach Levine has definitely improved on defense, I think that defense would get cooked and it just wouldn't look very good, because Kyrie. And Zach Levine both need the ball. I think Kevin Durant has shown that he's pretty good off the ball with the Warriors. But Kyrie and Zach Levine are definitely on-ball scorers. So I don't really like that. And uh, TLC was very good for the Nets. But it was in garbage time because they were getting blown out from the jump, basically. Now moving on to the Magic. Aaron Gordon just continues to be super frustrating for me. He's just disappointing he just seems so passive and he's fine with being like a 14 point per game scorer now i definitely know they haven't put them in the best position because he's played some small forward which in the modern nba he's just not a small forward at all and i think he fits much better as a power forward even sometimes being small ball center but i just i expect so much more out of aaron gordon and it seems like every year we all, as an NBA fan base, kind of expect Aaron Gordon to take that next step, but he hasn't. So I'd really like uh, a change of scenery. I'd love to see him go to like a Spurs team if the Spurs made uh, a DeMar DeRozan trade. I would love just like a DeMar DeRozan and Aaron Gordon flip because both of those guys just need to change the scenery, especially Aaron Gordon. I just want to see Aaron Gordon in a new situation get his potential fully unlocked but for now he's just going to continue to be disappointing and frustrating for me uh Nikola Vucevic has continued to look really good like he did in the scrimmages he's just he's a solid player and he's very consistent even though I don't think he'll ever 
have really as good of a year as he did last year. He'll be a solid like 18-10 guy, depending on what team he's on. He can be a fringe all-star. And Evan Fournier, Evan Fournier looked really good. He scored like 24 points on, on pretty good efficiency. And he's just a super underrated player for me. I'm pretty sure he's on an expiring contract this season. And it's going to be interesting to see what direction the Magic can go in because they definitely got some nice young pieces. Uh, they got guys like Chumo Kiki who didn't play all year because they, uh, he had a torn ACL before he got picked in the draft for them. And he got Jonathan Isaac, who was super good in that game. He scored 16 points. He only missed one shot, and he only played 16 minutes, so he looked really good. They got Mo Bamba, who I'm super high on, especially he put on a lot of muscle. But with guys like Nikola Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, that front court is just super clogged. And I, I really want them to go into a different direction. I really want them to either just let go of guys like Evan Fournier or maybe do a sign and trade because Evan Fournier can definitely get them some value because plenty of good teams would want a good shooter and just a good overall scorer like Evan Fournier. I think he could put up 17 to 18 points on basically any team. So I really want them to go all in on the young guys, go all in on guys like Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac, and Mo Bamba. Because eh. I think Mo Bamba sooner than later could be a most improved type uh, player because his three-point shooting is super valuable. His three-point shooting is really nice. And his defense is incredible. He's averaging like two blocks and only, I think, like maybe 18 or 16 minutes of play. So I'd really love to see him just get that full opportunity and just allow him to show that potential that he did while he was at Texas in college. He was so amazing. But they really just haven't given him that opportunity yet to be what he has the potential to be, which is really annoying and really frustrating because this team is just so average right now. So I'd love to see them just trade away all their older guys and just go in on that youth movement. But going on to another super fun game. This game was absolutely amazing. This may have been my favorite game so far through the three days that have been played. We got the Grizzlies versus the Blazers. Now, Jaron Jackson Jr., one of my favorite players. I loved what I saw from him this game. He was super aggressive. He was making plays off the dribble. He has this one play where he uh, blows by Yusuf Nurkic, does a Euro step, and dunks on him. That was beautiful. He was amazing. He shot 40%, and he shot 15 threes, which is why I love Jaron Jackson Jr. so much. He just fits the modern NBA big so well with his ability to shoot the three. And he's just so good. He was hitting multiple like pull-up mid-ranges, which I really like to see. And I think that could uh, open up the game a lot more for him. But the fouling does continue to be a problem as he has five fouls. But this game did go on into overtime, so I'm not going to rag on him too hard. Uh, now, John Morant, he struggled a lot, in, especially in the first half. But he was very good in the second half, and he was a lot more assertive. He had a pretty solid game, but if he was better in that first half, I really think the Grizzlies could have uh, extended their lead 
and it would have made it uh, much easier for them to win. As they did lose this game, it was a super tough overtime loss, especially with that race to the A-seed and the Trailblazers being one of those teams that is closest to them. This game really helped the Blazers close in on them. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas was really good. He fouled out, but in the 14 minutes he did play, he was ridiculous. He scored 16 points, hit uh, all four of his shots, hit a three, and he shot seven of eight from the free throw line. I really like the progression I've, I've seen from Jonas Valanciunas. He's improved a ton since he was on the Raptors. He's really good in the pick and roll. He's one of the better post big men in the league. And he's also shown the willingness to step out and hit threes, which is very interesting. Brandon Clark continues to be amazing for them off the bench. He's just been so good all year. I think he'll definitely be a future sixth man of the year. Maybe within the next like one or two years, he's just super good. He was extremely efficient, scoring 23 points on 7 of 8 uh, shooting from the field and 7 of 8 from the free throw line. So I really like Brandon Clark, and he's going to continue to be a beast for them. All right, now moving on to the Blazers. I was super impressed with the, how the Blazers played. They were looked really, really good. Uh, Carmelo Anthony continues to be pretty good for them. He scored an efficient 21 points, and he hit multiple huge threes that helped the game go into overtime. Yusuf Nurkic is back from that big leg injury he had, and he looked amazing. He stuffed the stat sheet, getting 18 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, and 6 blocks. It looked like he could have had another 5x5 five five game, but he didn't get enough steals. And I was just super impressed with how he played, especially coming off with such that gruesome leg injury. That was one of the scariest injuries I've ever seen because he literally just came for down from a league rebound and his leg snapped. But I really like Yusuf Nurkic. I think he's super underrated. He's definitely a top 10 center for me, maybe in the top 8-ish range because he's a guy who can do this. He's a very good passer. He's been starting to show the willingness to shoot threes. And if he can become a solid three-point shooter, even if he's like Jonas Valanciunas where he maybe only takes one game and he shoots like 35%, I think he could just be even better and... He's always going to be a guy who's going to stuff the statue like this, having these type of games. He's had 5x5 five five games before. So I really like Yusuf Nurkic, and I'm super glad to see him back out there, be healthy. I think he's way better for Hassan Whiteside, and if they had him for this entire year, they would definitely be in the playoffs for me. Uh, CJ McCollum was amazing for them. He scored a super efficient 33 points. Just looking like CJ being super smooth. CJ, while he's never been an all-star and he's only like a around a 20-point-per-game scorer, he he just, to me, feels like one of the more natural scorers in the league. He's just such a smooth scorer. His, he had multiple amazing step-back threes. His mid-range game is super good. His floater game is beautiful. And I just really like CJ McCollum. He's elite, and I think he's definitely going to be one of the players who's forgotten about in history because... No matter how good he is, just because of how stacked that Western Conference is, it's going to be super hard for him to ever make an All-NBA team or an All-Star team, but he's a player who's just super good and is a really impactful player. And even though he's been a little disappointing for me this year, because while the Blazers definitely have had their health issues with Yusuf Nurkic being out, uh, Rodney Hood tore his Achilles, 
I expected him to step up a little more while Dame is having one of, if not, I'd probably say his best season as he's shooting almost 10 threes and shooting, is shooting like 40%. He's averaging like almost 30 points on like 45, 40, 90 splits, which is ridiculous. But if CJ continues to play like this, I'm confident the Blazers can be well in that playoff race. And uh, they can definitely get in that play. And I don't know if they're going to creep up on the Briz- uh, the Grizzlies for that actual eighth seed. But they can definitely get the play in. And maybe they're their experience that they have over the Grizzlies. Because the Grizzlies, while I love them, their team is super fun. They got two of my favorite players in Jaden Jackson Jr. and John Morant. They're still super young. So maybe we'll see the old guys like CJ McCollum and Dame step up and make that playoffs for them. And speaking about Dame, he struggled from three, but he still had a very good game, putting up uh, almost 30 points in 10 assists. Well, I really like Dame. He's just had an incredible season. I think he's the second best point guard in the league. Actually, I'd probably say he's third because I consider Luka a point guard. And even though it's super close between them, I think Luka is very slightly better. But they're like the eighth and ninth best player in the league. Dame is incredible. And a player who I really like and think is super underrated is Gary Chen Jr. And he stepped up uh, big for them off the bench. He shot four or five from three and scored 17 points. And that was huge in them. Uh, pushing this into overtime and eventually getting the win they really dominated in overtime and the grizzlies just struggled their youth looked like it really got to them in a big game like this and this was just a super fun game and this is going to be massive in the race for the eighth seed and in the race for uh, the trailblazers to either get in the play-in or actually snag that eighth seed now moving on to another game, I didn't watch much because both of these teams, no matter what happens, are not making the playoffs. The Suns versus the Wizards. But I did really like what I saw from De- uh, DeAndre and He scored 24 and 11 of 14 from the field. And uh, he shot some threes during the scrimmages, but a lot of people were doing that, so I didn't know if that was going to last. But he made two of his uh, three threes, so I was really happy with that. Because I think that can really help him be one of the top, like, six centers in the entire NBA. And he's already really good. I think he goes super underrated because uh, Luka has been so amazing and because Trey has been so amazing, too. So he really goes underrated in this draft and gets treated like he's a bust when he's really not. It's not his fault that the players above him have just been so good that... He hasn't stood out as much, but he's consistently been like an 18 and 10 guy. He's looked a lot better on defense. And if he can start making threes, even like I said, again, for use of Nurkic, just at a Jonas Valanciunas level where you just have to make like one every like two or three games, that'll be amazing for them because he can really expand his game and become an elite big man, especially if that defense keeps improving. Uh, D-Book struggled with his efficiency, but... It's Devin Booker. He puts up buckets, and he did a very good job of getting to the free throw line. Dario Saric was a good piece for them off the bench, and even though he's had a couple down years, and I used to be really high on Dario Saric. I just don't think he's that good anymore, but he looked good in the game that he played. Uh, Rui Hachimura and Troy Brown Jr. both looked really good and are definitely 
gonna take advantage of this extra opportunity because uh, Bradley Beal is out, Davis Bertans is out, so it really gives uh, guys like Rui Hachimura and Troy Brown Jr. an opportunity to step up and uh, just take more shots and get more used to the NBA because they're both good players and I both I like uh, both of them a lot. Especially Rui has had a super good year. Troy Brown Jr. is a very solid player. He's a point forward type of player. And I always love good playmakers, especially in those bigger, like, 6'8 to 6'9 type bodies. So, uh, Thomas Bryan looks really good. Even though if you look at the stat sheet, his efficiency was poor. I really like how he took four threes. I saw him make, like, a pull-up mid-range. And I like Thomas Bryan, even though I think they may draft a center because Thomas Bryan may be a little better as a backup. I just do like the confidence I saw from him this game because he's shown the ability to take threes, but he really had that on full display this game. And another young guy who gets some more opportunities during this playing for the Wizards, Jerome Robinson looked really good, even though it was kind of garbage time. The Wizards had already lost that game. It's nice for him to finally get some opportunity as he played for the Clippers before, and he just wasn't good enough to get opportunity. Like Guys like Shea able to get opportunity as a rookie because Shea is amazing as we've seen but it'll be nice to see how Jerome Robinson steps up with this extra opportunity now moving on let's talk about the Kings versus Spurs the Aaron Fox man I love the Aaron Fox he I think him Darren Jackson Jr. Uh, Norman Powell are all guys who I think are very underrated and have a good argument for being the most underrated player in the league and this is what I'm talking about. Just because he's on the Kings, Darren Fox put up a career-high 39. He's being super aggressive. He shot over 50%. And literally nobody was talking about it. Just because he's on the Kings and because they were playing the Spurs. But the Aaron Fox is super good. Even though his three-point shot has regressed, which is pretty disappointing. Because he showed a ton of flashes to really improve his three-point shot. And his free throws kind of still struggle. Just that speed and ability to get up and down the court uh, with ease is so impressive and makes him such an elite player. And his playmaking is very good as well. Bogdan Bogdanovich was super good for them, uh, shooting 18, 8 of 15 from the field, making 6 of his 11 threes, which was really nice. Uh, Buddy Heald was really bad off the bench. He only shot 2 of 13 and 1 of 8 from 3. And it continues to be this constant dilemma of uh, who are they going to keep, Bogdan, Bogdanovich, or Buddy Heald. Because Buddy Heald just got that huge bag, but he's been complaining a lot. And Bogdan is up for a contract, and plenty of teams will give him a decent offer because he's a very good player. So it'll be super interesting in the offseason to see what they do about that situation. Now moving on, talking about the Spurs. DeMar DeRozan was really good. He played power forward for them, which was super interesting because LaMarcus Aldridge is out. He got a sh uh, shoulder surgery before the bubble started, which it, it was really weird to see DeMar DeRozan play power forward, but he put up a really efficient 27 points, and he also got 10 assists. Derek White was really good. Uh, he put up 26 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 assists, again on great efficiency. A player who I'm a big fan of and really like, Lonnie Walker the fourth. He showed uh, some great flashes of his potential. He scored 16 on 7 of 12 shooting. 
and I really like Lonnie Walker. I think this whole bubble environment where the Spurs don't really have much to play for, so there's not much of a chance they're going to make the playoffs. I think this is a great opportunity for him to step up and show his potential because he's a player who basically everybody said when the Spurs drafted him was a steal, and he's definitely shown flashes before, but if he can become more consistent as a scorer and if the Spurs go into this use movement where they put belief in guys like him, I think he can be really good. Rudy Gay was also uh, crucial in them getting this win. He scored 19 points on 8 of 15 from the field and 3 of 5 from 3 off the bench. So that was really nice. Now moving on, we got my Celtics versus the Bucks. This was this is a very frustrating game. Before I talk about the refs or anything like that, I'll talk about what actually happened in the game. Jason Tatum... Even though he's one of my guys, he's my second favorite player in the league. He was terrible. Shot 2 of 18. One of the shots that uh, counted was only because it hit off uh, the other team's hands and went in off the rebound. So he basically shot 1 of 18. And it just wasn't Jason Tatum at all. He does have these games sometimes where he had another game where he shot like 1 of 16 or something like that before the season. So I'm not very worried at all because he just has these games sometimes. And while it is super frustrating to watch, like, man, it was tough to watch because he couldn't finish. The shots weren't falling. Uh, he wasn't getting to the line. His mid-range, that's usually butter, wasn't working. His threes weren't hitting, and it was just a frustrating game. He also, like, I was super disappointed that he couldn't even get to the free throw line in a game where he's playing so bad. He only scored five points. So I definitely expect him in uh, today's game against the Trailblazers to step up and look a lot better. Yeah, I'm just not too worried about him, though. I think he'll bounce back and continue to be, like, the 23 to 24 point per game scorer that we've seen almost all season. I really liked how Gordon Hayward played. He was just had a super all-around game, scoring 17 points, having nine rebounds, and getting six assists. And he, well, it's hard to guard Giannis, especially for a thinner guy like him. He tried his best and did as good as he could. And Kemba Walker was really good, but he played limited minutes as he's had a bit of a knee issue the entire year. So they're easing him back in, only playing him 20 minutes. I really hope that knee issue doesn't uh, continue in the playoffs because Kemba needs to show up and step up big for them. But he looked really good while he did play, so hopefully they can keep ramping him up maybe today's game, get him like 22 minutes or 25 minutes, and then get him back to his like 30 to 35 minutes. Uh, Jalen Brown really struggled with his shot, only shot uh, 3 of 10 from the field, uh, from 3. But I really like the aggressiveness I saw from him. He was getting to the line pretty well. And I really like Jalen Brown. He's had a great season. So if he uh, hits his shots more but continues to show that same aggression, I'm going to really like that because he can be around like a 22-point-per-game score if he keeps getting to the line like he was that game. And Marcus Smart was massive off the bench. I love Marcus Smart, but he played a lot better than he usually does. He was still doing the little Marcus Smart things like he does, getting in passing lanes, getting steals, playing great defense, playing as best as he could on Giannis, trying to take a charge, which was a foul and should have fouled out Giannis out of the game. I don't know how a player can play with eight fouls. I'll just get – okay, I'll get that out of the way right now. The refs, 
there were some ridiculous calls. There was multiple times where Giannis could have fouled out, and it seems like they were definitely bailing him out to keep him in that game for entertainment. And I was super frustrated watching that game because one of those plays was 100% a charge. I don't want anybody to tell me anything else. Marcus Smart feet was set, and Giannis rammed over him, and they called it a blocking foul, which was ridiculous. But yeah, Marcus Smart was super good, and he stepped up huge with Jason Tatum struggling, giving them a lot more scoring. Uh, Brad Wanamaker, who's a player who usually frustrates me a lot and I really don't like, uh, was actually pretty good off the bench for them, scoring 14 points. And that's big because the biggest issue, in my opinion, with the Celtics, a lot of people would say it's the big man position. For me, it's the depth. And if Brad Wanamaker and Marcus Mark can both play good, and even if we only have a seven-man rotation or, like, eight-man rotation with players like Semi Ojale playing, as long as Marcus Smart and Brad Wanamaker are decent off the bench, that'll help a lot because our starting five is pretty... Uh, one of the better ones in the league, and it's pretty top-heavy. All right, now moving on to the Bucks. Well, I was frustrated uh, with the calls. Giannis was still dominating. He scored 36 points, had 15 rebounds and 7 assists on 70% shooting from the field. I mean, it is Giannis. He's definitely my MVP. He's just such a, a physical anomaly. Like, I've never seen someone who's so big but is able to dribble pass and just move the way he is it's so incredible and he's just a dominant player but i will be super interested to see in the playoffs again if their offense gets stagnant and he's struggling again it'll be interesting to see uh chris middleton for once didn't destroy the celtics like he usually does he was super aggressive but he uh, shot 6 of 20 from the field, which is not Chris Middleton-like at all, as he's usually, especially this year, been one of the most efficient players in the league. So I expect him to be a lot better in the future games. But he did do a pretty good job facilitating. He got 8 assists, which is nice. I always love uh, when players, when their shots aren't following, to do different stuff like that that may not be normal for them, as Chris Middleton isn't hasn't really ever been a facilitator. But I did like to see that from him. Brooke Lopez has continued to be one of the best defensive centers in the league, which is so weird. Uh, Brooke Lopez's arc and his involvement as a player is fascinating to me, where he went from a low post player who wasn't really good at defense to a three-point shooter, even though that has become extremely overrated for me as he really hasn't been that good of a three-point shooter this year, and he's starting to go back more into the post, which he's still really good at. And now he's elite on defense. He had six blocks this game. And I really do think he's in heavily contention for being an all-defensive type player, which is wild. I would have never believed that, like, two years ago. Dante DiVincenzo was really good for them. I really like uh, DiVincenzo. He's a really solid player. He's just a nice piece for them. He dropped Kemba Walker and hit a three. That was really impressive. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was out. And while if this was the playoffs, I'd say that's a positive. This is a regular season, so that is a negative because Eric Bledsoe, while choking awfully in the past two playoffs, shot 29% from the field and 17% from three when they played the Raptors last year. And even though Giannis gets a lot of uh, hate for that, I really do think everybody else should get way more hate for that. Eric Bledsoe, even though he gets ragged on a lot for being a bad playoff player, 
17% from three. He does not get ragged on enough for that. Chris Middleton uh, wasn't that good in the Raptor series. And Mike Budenholzer, like I said, I'm he's a great coach, but it just worries for me how simple his offensive schemes are. And if he's playing a team like the Raptors uh, and like a head coach like Nick Nurse, who's a defensive genius with the schemes, I'm worried for the Bucks a lot in that, in that type of series. But yeah, Eric Bledsoe is out, so that definitely takes away the defense for them. And it was just a bit of a rough game for each team, and I expect better out of both teams. I don't expect Chris Middleton to shoot 30%. I don't expect Jason Tatum to play awful. Uh, Kemba Walker would normally be playing more minutes. Jalen Brown would normally be hitting more shots. And I just expect both teams to step up because the, the Bucks weren't really hitting their threes like they normally do. You could definitely tell each team was rusty this game. Now we got a high-scoring thriller. This was the Rockets versus the Mavs. Man, James Harden was insane. He put up 49 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists. Almost a 50-point triple-double on 70% from the field. Shot 3 of 9 from 3 and got to the line 21 times, making 18 of those. The Mavs could not guard that man at all. They were throwing double teams at him a lot, and he just didn't care. I really liked how he wasn't uh, forcing the three a ton. He didn't take, like, 12 of them like he normally does. He took nine still, but that's normal for James Harden because he's a great three-point shooter. But sometimes when I, I feel like uh, when he's forcing threes, it really leads them to be a lot less efficient and just makes their offense super predictable. But when he's getting to the hole, he's... Uh, hitting his floaters, throwing lobs up to Westbrook, kicking out to shooters. That's when he's truly deadly and a top six player in the world. Uh, Russell Westbrook was very good. Even though he didn't uh, shoot incredibly efficiently, he still put up 31 points, 11 rebounds, and 8 assists. Daniel House, I feel like he hasn't got enough credit for this game at all. He shot 6 for 12 from 3 for them, and that's huge. Robert Covington was uh, struggling with his shot a little bit. But he was still big for them. He was uh, huge on the defensive boards. He was getting blocks. Uh, he's been put under a lot of pressure now with the small ball. And he's stepped up a ton and shown some stuff I never thought. I never thought Robert Covington could be like a three-block-a-game type player. But he's shown he's able to with the Rockets. And he got a huge putback for them that ended up tying the game and bringing it to overtime. Ben McLemore... Uh, continues to be super good for them. He shot 4-4 four, four from 3 off the bench. He, I really thought he was going to be out of the league, but he's really seemed to revive his entire career playing for the Rockets. And just as long as he's hitting his threes, three-point shooting is just so valuable in the modern NBA that if you can uh, shoot like 40% from three, you can be average to below average at everything else. But team's going to want you. And Porzingis... Like he has every time he's played the Rockets, small ball has dominated them. He put up 39 points and 16 rebounds on 50% from the field. He shot 3 of 8 from 3. Got to the line 11 times and made 10 of those. I really like every time how uh, Porzingis has played against the Rockets. A lot of people were getting on him for taking like fadeaways. But I think uh, people don't realize that's how the small ball for the Rockets is going to win if teams continue to try and post up on them because while those guys are smaller they have a ton of heart and play super hard so if he uh 
takes those threes and hit them like he was. He was hitting his fadeaways really well. I was super impressed with him, and he had a great game. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. continues to be super good for the Mavericks. I didn't really expect Tim Hardaway Jr. to be good because he's kind of been uh, inefficient shot chucker his entire career, being like a, a J.R. Smith type player, but he's been an efficient like 17 to 18 point per game scorer all year, and if that continues to hold up in the playoffs, uh, he'll be a huge piece for them. Now, Luka, he did put up a, a great stat line of 28 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, but his three-point shot, man, I love Luka more than any player in the entire league. He's my favorite player. But I'm super disappointed with his three-point shot. He shot one of nine. And this whole year, he's just really, really struggled as a three-point shooter. And he wasn't great last year. But I think because I expect a lot more out of him this year because he's gotten so much better, I've just been disappointed by that. He also had eight turnovers. He fouled out. And he struggled in the clutch. And... In general, this whole Mavericks team, even though they are the uh, statistically, as far as offensive rating, actually the greatest offensive team ever, which is insane, they really need a secondary ball handler because they've struggled every time in the clutch. I think they're 29th, so they're almost dead last in the clutch this entire year, and that was an issue this game. They were up 7 with like 45 seconds left, and they blew this game. Uh, so I'll be interested uh, to see if they target a guy like Victor Oladipo because he's had some disagreements with the uh, Pacers about contractual stuff, and he's going to be a, a free agent next year, so he'll be on an expiring contract. So it'll be super interesting to see either if they uh, heavily target him in free agent because they're going to have a ton of money, and that's going to be a huge free agency class. So it'll be interesting to see if they complete that big three with a player like Victor Aldipo, adding him to Luka and Porzingis, and if they get a guy like Victor Aldipo, who, when he's healthy, has proved to be a closer, I think that could be huge for them. Now, Trey Burke came out of absolutely nowhere. Trey Burke has always been a bucket, but they would put up 31 points and 6 assists on 11 of 16 from the field and 8 of 10 from 3. He was insane. He was hitting everything. And while I definitely don't expect anything like that again, uh, he is a nice backup point guard because Jalen Brunson, I think he tore his rotator cuff in his shoulder and he's going to be out for the season. So Trey Burke is going to have to step up for them. And if he can even just score like eight points per game and in a more limited role, because I don't expect him to play that much again, I think that'll be really good. But this was a very good game, but I was very disappointed in the Mavs. Uh, with their clutch performance, letting it go to overtime, not boxing out Robert Covington, allowing, allowing him to get that put back, and then they were just dominated in overtime. Now, moving on to yesterday's games, these games were a little bit disappointing, to be honest. Almost every, well, a lot of the games were blowouts, but on paper, all these games looked really good, so I was pretty sad. But first, uh, the Heat versus Nuggets. This is a game I was super excited for, so I was super bummed out that the Heat just dominated the young, uh, the Nuggets. Bam had a super good game. He put up 22 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. Jimmy Butler had a solid game as well. He also put up 22 points. He got 7 assists, 3 steals. He's continued this whole year. He's been elite at getting to the free throw line. Like A lot of people talk about James Harden, rag on him. 
but not many people talk about how amazing uh, Jimmy Butler's been at getting to the free throw line. He's averaging almost like nine three free throws a game. Uh, Jay Crowder, super underrated pickup for them. He hit three of his four threes and got seven boards. When Jay Crowder's hitting his threes, he's just a good player. He gets rebounds, plays good defense, and as long as he's hitting his threes, he's super valuable as a role player. He was a super good piece in that Iguodala trade. I think he's been a lot better than Andre Iguodala, even though I do expect Iggy to take a step up in the playoffs. Uh, Duncan Robinson continues to be an amazing shooter. He put up an efficient 17 points. Duncan Robinson's story is super incredible with how he's come up from uh, an undrafted free agent. He started at like a D3 school, got up to Michigan, uh, was on the Heat Summer League team, and now has been a super big part in them being one of the better Eastern Conference teams. And I think he'll get a huge contract this offseason. Maybe not huge, but like $15 million a year because his shooting is insane. I think he'll be one of the one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time if he keeps this up because he's ridiculous from three. Kelly Olynyk was going crazy. It was when the game was basically already over, but he put up 20 points on 8 of 11 shooting and 4-6 from the three. And overall, their team shot very well. And when the Heat are hitting their threes, they're a deadly team. And they got shooters on their team, so I'm super excited. I've been disappointed with uh, Jimmy Butler's three-point shooting this year. It's been very weird to see where, at a certain point, he didn't hit a three for, like, multiple months, and he doesn't even take them anymore. But if Duncan Robinson, Kelly Olynyk, Myers Leonard, uh, Jay Crowder, Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Goran Drodic, if those type of guys are hitting their threes, and uh, Bam, will always, Bam and Jimmy will always be there on the defensive end, they're going to be a scary team. Now, onto the Nuggets side, they were missing three starters, which I was unaware of, and that's what really killed this game for them. Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, and Will Barton were all missing, and those are, even though Gary Harris has been a really disappointing player as he's fallen off a cliff on offense, he still continues to be a really good defensive player, but his offense, he used to be like an 18-point-per-game scorer on good efficiency, now he's like a 12-point-per-game scorer on bad efficiency. But uh, he's a big piece for them. Obviously, Jamal Murray starting point guard. He averages like 18 and like 5 assists. Will Barton is a super underrated player and has been really good for them this season. And they were just really all uh, missing those guys. They struggled to hit their shots the entire game. I did like to see Michael Porter Jr. starting. And while his efficiency was pretty poor, I liked his aggressiveness. He shot eight threes. And I just like seeing him get this extra opportunity because I'm a big believer in Michael Porter Jr. to be a really good player in the future. Jokic had had a decent game. It's a Jokic-type game. He got uh, put up 19, 7 boards, and 6 assists. Jeremy Grant had a very good game off the bench, putting up an efficient 19 points. And he's just a super good player. He's going to get a decent contract this offseason as he shot 40% from 3 this year, and he's super athletic, a pretty good shot blocker. So it'll be interesting to see what team he goes to, and he'll be a super big piece for whatever team he does end up going to. I was happy to see Bobo getting some minutes and opportunity to play in a real game. Nothing really stood out about his play, but it's just nice to see him. Nice to see the young guys like uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Bobo get some more opportunity. Now moving on, another super disappointing game. Now, I'm not even going to blame this on, like, at least the Nuggets were missing three starters. 
the Jazz versus Thunder, the Jazz looked terrible. The Jazz, oh my god. Royce O'Neal was their best player, in my opinion. <laughs> he looked really good in uh, the 19 minutes he played. Rudy Gobert was looking slow on defense, and he scored 10 points. Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley both shot like 30% from the field. Donovan Mitchell continues. Both of the games he's played, he's not looked good in. And then Mike Conley went back to the Mike Conley we've seen all year. Uh, Jordan Clarkson shot 4 of 17. The whole team was just not hitting their shots, and they could not score at all. And then onto the Thunder, they played pretty well. Shea had a normal Shea-type game. He put up 19, got 6 assists. Chris Paul was really good. He put up 18, 7, and 7 on 7 of 11 shooting. Steven Adams put up 16, uh, 11, and 2 blocks. Darius Baisley, a young guy who I really like, and I think he could be like a Lamar Odom type of player. He showed some really good signs and the opportunity he got to play, so I was happy with that. He had two of his three threes, and I just like his game. He has a nice, well-rounded game, and I think that was a smart pick for them. And if this team does end up playing the Jazz in the playoffs, which is possible, I just, Lord, I just hope we don't get Jazz versus... Uh, Rockets for the third time because that series is so uninteresting and the Rockets would destroy the Jazz especially without uh, Bojan Bogdanovic but if the Jazz and the Thunder do play I think the Thunder would beat them in like in a sweep or like five games I'm just not confident in this Jazz team at all if I'm a if I'm a Western Conference team I want to play I want to play the Jazz in the first round, and I'm doing anything I can to play the Jazz in the first round. They are not that good to me, to be totally honest, especially without Bogdanovich. I would believe in them way more with Bogdanovich, but his wrist is hurt, so I just don't believe in them at all. And now another game. Lord, this was this was an ugly one to watch. Pelicans versus Clippers. The Clippers absolutely blew them out. The Pelicans got off to a slow start, and then they could really never come back. And the Clippers just seemed to keep extending that lead. At halftime, they were up like 32. The Pelicans were just turning the ball over way too much. They were missing free throws. They were, weren't hitting their threes. And honestly, almost nobody looked good for them. The only guy who looked good for them was Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a player who really hasn't gotten much opportunity for them. I was pretty high on him going into the draft. Just from what I read about him, I used to not really be a college guy, and I've been getting into more of that as I'm doing the scouting reports. But I read a lot of things about him. I saw, uh, I was listening to Through the Wire podcast, and they said he could be like a the next Drew Holiday for them. And he just hasn't played that much, and when he does play, he seems to not hit his shots. But he actually looked good. He was hitting his shots. And if he does hit that Drew Holiday potential, and they could uh, end up moving on from Drew Holiday at one point, that's going to be insane. But onto the Clippers side. Kawhi looked really good. He's continuing to just get to the free throw line. He is super good at that. Paul George made 8 of 11 threes and put up an efficient 28 points. Paul George is looking scary, man. A healthy Paul George in the playoffs is something to watch out for. The Clippers were already good with Paul George scoring like 22 points a game. If he goes back to this like 28 uh, or 26 
point per game scored. That is terrifying for any team. Reggie Jackson was actually good this game. He played pretty well off the bench. And then guys like Marcus Morris and uh, looked a lot better for them. Uh, guys like Landry Shamit looked a lot better too. So the uh, Clippers really just dominated this game. It was never close. And well, I knew unless something like weird happened, I 100% expected them to win. I did not expect it to be this bad. They just shot super well and dominated the whole game. Now moving on. 76ers versus Pacers. This was definitely my favorite game uh, yesterday. It was really the only one that was close the entire game. Tobias Harris, while he wasn't super efficient, I loved seeing how aggressive he was. He put up like 29 shots, and he shot. Uh, he scored 30 points. Joel Embiid, even though I don't think he's the best center, he's definitely the most talented. When Joel Embiid is at 100%, he's by far the best center in the league. But he's just not nearly enough at 100% for me. But if they get this Joel Embiid, anybody who uh, is playing them should be terrified. And he put up a super efficient 41 points, 21 rebounds, getting 9 offensive rebounds, 3 blocks. He was dominating and he looked so good. And it does scare me as a Celtics fan that there's still a chance, uh, especially that the Pacers won this game that the 76ers could play the Celtics in the first round because while this team I think Elton Brand has done a horrible job and it's messed up such a high potential team they're still just so talented that no matter how bad their fit is and I think their fit is pretty terrible they can still sneak up and beat some teams especially with a 100% healthy Joel Embiid that is scary uh, ben Simmons had a pretty solid game, a Ben Simmons type game, putting up 19 points, 13 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, Shake Milton looked very poor. He was playing sloppy, fouling, throwing turnovers. You may saw the altercation uh, Joel Embiid and Shake Milton got into after the quarter when Shake Milton was just playing bad. And Al Horford continues to be a huge negative for them. He was a minus 26 when he was in the game. He was a minus 26 in a close game. That signing was just terrible. Even though I really like Al Horford, he's just fallen off so dramatically. And he just doesn't fit in Philadelphia at all. Now moving on to the Pacers. TJ Warren, man, put up 53. Who would have thought it would have been TJ Warren to put up the first 50 bomb and uh, the bubble, he put a 53 on 20 of 29 shooting from the field and 9 of 12 from 3. I was super disappointed in Brett Brown's coaching ability. I have never thought Brett Brown was a good coach, but he was making zero adjustments to guard TJ Warren. At least when the Mavs were getting cooked by James Harden, they were trying as hard as they could. They just couldn't do anything. They were double teaming him and everything. Brett Brown was just letting T.J. Warren go off. And while he was hitting some extremely tough shots, like the shot to ice the game, which was a ridiculously deep three, he just made zero adjustments, and it was rough to watch T.J. Warren just dominate them. And T.J. Warren has always been a bucket. He's a super underrated player. Uh, Suns gave him up for cash considerations, and they gave the Pacers a second-round pick, which... 
one of the worst trades I've ever seen. Even though I know they were trying to clear cap space to get like Ricky Rubio and they ended up getting Aaron Baines and stuff like that. You could have easily traded TJ Warren for a first round pick because he's an 18 point per game scorer. And even though he did put up 53, he's normally an 18-point-per-game score and, like, 50% from the field and, like, 38% from three. So I don't know how the Suns gave up that man for cast considerations and adding a second-round pick on that. But uh, Aaron Holiday was also pretty good for the Pacers. I really like Aaron Holiday as a backup point guard. Uh, he scored 15 and dished out 10 assists. Victor Oladipo, while he only scored 15, I did like the confidence I saw from him. And they were uh, missing Malcolm Brogdon, so them winning this game against a healthy uh, 76ers team was really impressive. I, They played super good. And Miles Turner, man, I love Miles Turner. I think he's super good. I would, the, He's one of the guys I would love the Celtics to get, even though I do like Daniel Tice. I just think he's like a 10 times better than Daniel Tice and would make that the Celtics truly like a firm championship contender. But he was getting owned by Embiid. Like, Embiid got the nine offensive rebounds. He was destroying him on the glass. Miles Turner got two rebounds at center. Come on. And he fouled out. Uh, moving on to the last game, we got Lakers versus Raptors. Uh, I just want to give a ton of praise to the Raptors because I haven't been a big believer in them. But they... I actually had them beating the Lakers, but I did not expect it to be like this. First of all, I want to show a ton of love to Nick Nurse. He's my coach of the year. His defensive scheme that he put out impressed me so much. I heard, uh, I saw this, I think it was on Bleacher Report or something like that, where uh, an executive said that he believed the Raptors would win because they just have so many different defensive schemes and it makes it so hard to score on them. And he... I mean, if they play like this again, he was right. Lakers only scored 92 points. And with those defensive schemes that Nick Nurse has, he's just a genius. But he also has such great defensive personnel with players like OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, uh, Mark Gasol. Like, he has Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry. Their whole starting lineup is good defenders. And then you got Norman Powell, solid defender, Serge Ibaka. Their team, defensively at least, is ridiculous. Kyle Lowry was amazing. He, I just love Kyle Lowry. He has so much heart. And even though he definitely is a flopper and an annoying player to watch sometimes because of how much he complains for fouls, he put up 33, 14, and 6 assists. He shot uh, 8 for 16 from the field, 5 of 9 from 3, and got to the line 15 times, uh, shooting 12 of 15. OG Ananobi was super good uh he scored 23 points he only missed one shot he made all of his threes and multiple of them were big uh, corner threes that really helped the raptors pull away he also played elite defense on lebron i was so impressed with the defense he played on lebron uh, pascal siakam he definitely struggled as a scorer but he still had a well-rounded game and he played again great defense i just I'm so impressed with the Raptors and how they played that game. It was it was incredible to watch their defense that game. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was really good. He only scored 13 points, but he didn't take many shots, and he dished out 11 assists. Norman Powell did struggle off the bench, and he doesn't give them like the he didn't give them the normal punch he usually does. 
So it's scary that they beat the Lakers by 15 points with them not playing their best game. Pascal Siakam was not super efficient, and Norman Powell was bad off the bench. Fred VanVleet only scored 13 when he usually scores more. So this is this is a very scary sign for literally every team the Raptors playing this good. Uh, Anthony Davis w- had a pretty poor game. He only put up 14. He shot 2 of 7. He got almost all his points at the line. And that just, again, gives credit to the Raptors' defense. They were locking him up. LeBron was a pretty passive most of the game, but he did step up late in game and try to bring the Lakers back, but he only scored 20 points. Uh, Danny Green looked awful. He looked like he did in the playoffs last year. He shot 0 for 6 from 3. Uh, Kuz and Dion didn't shoot great, but they did bring some good energy off the bench. And Kuz did shoot pretty well from 3, but he only shot 5 of 13 from the field. Uh, Caruso was pretty solid off the bench, but they're, overall, they're just shooting and scoring was struggling because the Raptors played such great defense. All right, now moving on. We got scouting reports. First, Anthony Edwards. He's a 19-year-old, 6'5", 225-pound shooting guard out of Georgia. He averaged 19.1 points, 5.2 rebounds, and 2.8 assists on 40.2% from the field, 29.4% from the three, and 77.2% from the free throw line. His strengths are that he has a very smooth jumper that he can get off with ease. He has a natural knack for scoring. He has a really good frame. He finishes well through through contact. He's very strong. He's a good ball handler. He has uh, high defensive potential. He's good at creating his own shots. He's super athletic. He's one of the younger players in the draft. When he gets hot, he can score in bunches. He's a very quick first step, and he can blow by defenders with ease. He's a pretty good finisher. Uh, he's potential to be a very good shooter, even though the percentage isn't there. That's a lot of the times because he just takes a ton of shots, but the form is there, and when he gets hot, he does show that he can be a great shooter. Uh, he, he's a pretty good ball handler. His lateral... Uh, quickness is good and he's a good individual defender his weaknesses are that he has a tendency to take bad shots which leads to him being inefficient that's why he looks like a way worse three-point shooter than he actually is he can struggle with turnovers sometimes he just doesn't move without the ball and i think that's a super important thing just constantly moving without the ball moving off screens cutting it really helps with your efficiency and allows you to get a lot better shots he gets tunnel vision way too often and just misses open teammates too much he could sometimes get lost ball off uh lost off the ball on defense he, he could sometimes be very inconsistent on offense and he has terrible games sometimes his overall team and def- team defense needs to improve a lot he needs to show more effort on defense too and sometimes you can definitely question his mindset when you see him missing open teammates taking poor shots and showing a, a that lack of effort on the defensive end and his basketball IQ can be questionable. With all of that, I still do rate him as a top five prospect. And where he fits best, I have the Hawks because he'd be super nice next to Trey Young. He could focus more on defense and shooting off the off the ball, which would make him a lot better of a player. Uh, the Timberwolves, if they don't believe in giving Malik Beasley a big contract, that. He will be up for this offseason. He could replace them. And then he has some good weapons that would release pressure off him. That offense would be incredible with uh, Cat, D'Lo, and him. 
My comparison is Donovan Mitchell. A lot of people say Victor Oladipo, which I do see in the frame and everything, but he reminds me uh, a lot more of Donovan Mitchell play style-wise, with, even though he is a more Victor Oladipo-type frame guy, just because they both have the similar issues where they can get tunnel vision and miss open teammates. Donovan Mitchell... In my opinion, it's an extremely overrated defender. Like he's always had the potential, but he's pretty average on that end. He has the same issues where he can get lost off ball, like Anthony Edwards. So I think that's one of my favorite comparisons in the whole draft. I think that's almost a perfect comparison, other than frame wise. Okay, now moving on. It's a bit of a hard name to say. Denny Avdiji. He's a 19-year-old, 6'9", 220-pound small forward out of uh, the Euro League. He also played in the Israel League. So this is a bit out of date because they did start playing games again. So these averages, some of my thoughts may be a bit out of date. So I'm sorry for that. But yeah, averaged 8.2 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 1.8 assists on 52.9% from the field, 34.6% from three, and 56.6% from the free throw line. My strengths are that he's a really good off-ball player. He's a very good cutter. He's a good passer. He has good size. I really like his versatility. Uh, his finishing is very good. He is very good in the pick and roll. He has experience against high-level competition. Uh, everything I've read about him has showed he's a hard worker. His jump shot is developing, and he does have potential. He has a very good handle for his size. He's super good in transition. He's an unselfish player. He's uh, very smart as a team as a team defender and overall he's just a well-rounded good defensive player and his three-point shot has shown improvement in those more recent games so that is a super good sign and overall his game is just super well-rounded and can impact the game in multiple ways so i really like him i i said this before but i love point forwards so i do like his game a lot but his weaknesses his Free throw shooting needs to improve a lot. 56.6% is absolutely unacceptable. And he also needs to improve as a three-point shooter. Shot creation could use some improvement. He does lack a bit of explosiveness, and that lack of explosiveness uh, sometimes can limit his ability to get to the basket. His left hand definitely needs improvement. His lateral quickness is below average. He may struggle to guard uh, more athletic players in space. He's below average length for his size. He needs to continue to add size and strength like most players do. And then he needs to improve his ability to finish through contact. I rate him as top 5 to 10 uh, prospect. Where he fits bets, I have the Cavs because they do need a small forward a lot. They need some playmaking. While he does only average 1 point in assists, I don't really like using only assists as playmaking, and I think he's a very uh, smart passer and makes all the right plays. And he wouldn't have to be a primary ball handler because he already has two players next to him who can create and have shown the ability to be pretty good scorers. Uh, the Bulls, they also need playmaking. Their small forward position has constantly struggled with injuries. Otto Porter will be on an expiring contract. And he has some good weapons around him where, again, he won't need to be a shot creator. He can just slide in, play good defense, provide some playmaking, and hopefully hit his catch-and-shoot uh, catch threes. Uh, he can cut to the basket, do all sorts of stuff like that. The Wizards, they have 
They have a hole at the small forward position. Again, I do like Troy Brown Jr., but I think, honestly, Den Denny could just be a much better Troy Brown Jr., and he also has uh, good ball handlers around him. He has Bradley Beal, John Wall, so there would not be a ton of immediate pressure at all. I don't even know if he'd start yet. And my comparison, I do really like these comparisons as well. Ipito Turkoglu, he was always a well-rounded player. His three-point shooting was a bit below average. And then Tony Kukoc, another guy who's a point-forward type player, a very smart passer, and just an all-around player. I really like those comparisons, and I think he's going to be a very impactful player in the league. Now we got Jaden McDaniels. He's a 19-year-old, 6'10", 200-pound forward at, uh, out of Washington. He averaged 13 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 2.1 assists on 40.5% from the field, 33.9% from three, and 76.3% uh, from the free throw line. My strengths are for him that he has very good size. He's super athletic. He's good at getting to the basket. He's a good finisher. Uh, he's, good. he's a good ball handler for his size. He's good shooting form. Uh, he's very good in the open court. His upside on defense is pretty high. He's super confident. He has the ability to hit tough shots over defenders. Uh, he has all the necessary physical tools to be great. And he's just, in general, one of the higher upside uh, prospects that is later in the draft. My weakness is, though, he's super inconsistent. He'll have one game where he scored 20 points on, like, 50%. He's playing good on defense. Then the other game, he'll look lost on defense, and he'll be taking bad shots the entire game. He's fouling issues. He really hasn't shown much as a playmaker. Uh, he struggles with turnovers. He definitely needs to put on a lot of weight. Being 6'10", but only 200 pounds is unacceptable, and he's going to get bullied by bigger players. He can take a lot of bad shots, which leads to that inefficiency of only 40.5% for the field and only around 34 34% from three. He also struggles to finish through contact sometimes due to him being so skinny. He needs to stop settling for tough shots. A lot of times while I was watching him, he was just taking really bad mid-range shots that just aren't good in the modern NBA especially. And his basketball IQ could definitely be put into question. He's still super raw and he needs to improve a ton. He struggled. Uh, his lateral quickness isn't great. He's not super explosive while attacking the basket and he's definitely going to need a good development staff for him to realize his full potential uh i have him at the top 25 to 35 prospect some places where i think he'd fit really good are the heat because they do have a bit of a hole at that power forward position and they have a good coaching staff who's proven time and time and again that they're really good at developing raw players so and I think he could also unlock his defensive potential. And if he does reach his ceiling, a front core of him and Bam would be deadly. So I also have the Thunder. They need help at the forward position, especially if Danilo Gallinari is going to end up leaving in free agency. He has some good veterans that could mentor him well. And while they do need help at the forward position, he wouldn't have a ton of pressure, but he would have the right amount of opportunity to play immediately. You would probably play a similar amount to like how Darius Baisley is playing this year. My comparison, this was a super hard one because his upside is super high. Uh, he has the upside to be like a Jonathan Isaac type player on defense. He's upside to be like a Brandon Ingram type player on offense. 
But I just say a worse Brandon Ingram because he does have that shot-creating ability, the ability to hit tough mid-ranges. And Brandon Ingram, one of the things that has kind of disappointed me about him, even though he's proved, improved a ton and he's had a great year, he's always had defensive potential, but has never really unlocked that. And I could definitely see that happening with Jaden as well. Now going on to Tyrell Terry. He's a 19-year-old, uh, 6'1", 160-pound point guard from Stanford. He averaged 14.6 points, 4.5 rebounds, and 3.2 assists on 44.1% from the field, 40.8% from three, and 89.1% from the free throw line. Uh, my strengths are that he has a super nice jumper. He's a great shooter in all the ways. He can shoot off the catch, off the dribble. He can shoot contested. He can shoot while moving. Uh, he's a very good free throw. He's an amazing free throw shooter, in fact. Uh, he puts in solid effort on defense. He's very good at moving off the ball. He has a good feel for the game. He's decent in the pick and roll. He has pretty good touch while he's driving. He shows some nice craftiness while he's finishing. His game perfectly fits the modern NBA. He always makes the right passes. Uh, he, and he's a decent rebounder for his size. But speaking about that size, that is one of the weaknesses. He's definitely an undersized player. He needs to put on weight. He can he can get bullied by uh, stronger players. I saw multiple times where players would drive and just use that shoulder to, and he would just bounce off of them. He's also not a very good athlete. Uh, he needs to improve his handle. He lacks great burst, and that makes him struggle to get to the basket. His uh, shot creation isn't incredible. He can get blown by quicker uh, players as well. He could have some struggles transitioning to the NBA due to there being more big, more athletic players. Like, if he played the Thunder and he's against Russell Westbrook, you know how Russell Westbrook does that cradle celebration? He's going to be doing that a lot against Tyrell Terry because he would bully him. And his potential as a player is limited due to his size and athleticism. I rate him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting best as the Lakers he would bring immediate offense off the bench uh, it would allow them to let go of Rondo which they need to do and he fits perfect next to LeBron as a shooter a guy who moves off the ball so I really like that fit I also uh, have the Sixers because he brings some shooting and offense off their bench which they've been needing for a while now they've been needing bench and he would be in that range where they could pick him too uh, one of my comparisons for him is Seth Curry. I love this comparison. They're both kind of undersized and play more like two guards. And obviously, Seth Curry is an amazing shooter, just like Tyrell Terry is. Seth Curry actually, I think he has the second highest three-point percentage of all time. So I like that comparison. I really like Tyrell Terry, even though his ceiling, again, isn't very high. He'll be an impact player for years to come. Okay, now moving on. We got R.J. Hampton. He's a 19-year-old, 6'5", 181-pound point guard who played for the New Zealand Breakers in the NBL, the same league LaMelo Ball played in. He averaged 8.8 .8 points, 3.9 rebounds, and 2.4 assists on 40.7% from the field, 29.5% from three, and 67.9% from the free throw line. My tricks are that he's good in transition. He's good in the pick and roll. He has pretty good athleticism. He has a, a solid frame and size. Uh, his, he has a really nice quick first step. He has long strides that allow him to explode to the basket quickly and makes him very good in the open court as well. He has very good 
potential as a defender due to that size that I mentioned earlier. He's light on his feet. He's a good finisher. His jump shot form is pretty solid. He takes good shots for the most part. Uh, he's good in the pick and roll, and he's a good individual defender. I also like his ability to shoot the mid-range jump shot. His weaknesses, though, he has a below-average three-point shot, and it really needs to improve. Uh, his free-throw shooting scares me a lot because usually guys who aren't good at uh, free-throw shooting tend to struggle as a shooter, even though there are some exceptions. Players like Alonzo is one of the worst free-throw shooters in the league, but is a pretty above-average three-point shooter, shooting like 38% on a solid attempt, amount of attempts. He's still very skinny and, like a lot of players, needs to put on muscle, grow into an NBA body. Uh, his defensive awareness definitely needs to improve, and sometimes he can get lost off ball. He definitely, again, needs to put on muscle to realize uh, his potential as a defender and at attacking the basket. Cause sometimes he can struggle to finish through contact. He gets beat off ball way too much. His handle is definitely a little bit lackluster as a point guard and needs to get tighter. His jump shot form, while I do like it, he sometimes has issues where it can be a little inconsistent. His vision doesn't stand out, and he only really makes simple reads for the most part, which isn't necessarily a big problem. But for me, at least, I like my point guard to be able to make advanced reads, make passes that only, uh, that really only like certain players can make, but he just doesn't really have that ability. Uh, and I rate him as a prospect as a top 15 to 25. I'm fitting best in the Magic because he has some guards in front of him that could develop, uh, that would allow him to develop. He has guys like Marco Fultz in front of him. He could eventually repla replace Evan Fournier if they don't resign him. And that would, I would actually like that backcourt of Marco and him a lot if he reaches his potential because that has, even though the shooting may struggle with that if uh, RJ's shooting doesn't step up. I do like the defensive potential a lot. I love the the potential in the open court with that. And I truly like the athleticism of that backcourt. My comparison for him is Dante Exum, which may sound a little scary. But Dante Exum, at one point, was expected to be an amazing player. He struggled, but uh, if he reaches that Dante Exum potential that he originally had, he'll be a good player. Because Dante's biggest issue has always been that he's just struggled to stay healthy. But he always had the size, the defensive potential. And, like, if you – you may remember this, but I think it was two years ago, he was locking up James Harden in a series. And even though I hated watching those Jazz vs. Rockets series because it just never seemed like the Jazz had a chance, he was giving them a chance with how good of defense he played on them. All right, now moving on to the last scouting report of the day. We got Isaiah Stewart. He's a 19-year-old, 6'9", 250-pound uh forward slash center who played for Washington last year. He averaged 17 points, 8.8 rebounds, and 0.8 assists on 57% from the field, 25% from three only on four shots, and 77.4% from the free throw line. My strengths are that he is super strong. He's one of the most NBA ready as far as body type players in the league uh, in this whole draft. Uh, he has a 7'4 wingspan, which is great for him, only being 6'9". He's a very good rebounder. I, I do like his shooting form. He's a good free-throw shooter, which uh, is a nice sign that he may have potential to expand his game and become a stretch big. He has pretty solid footwork in the post. He's a good shot blocker. He's a very good energy player. 
he has solid touch around the basket. Uh, the moves that he uses in the post are pretty impressive, and he they're pretty effective as well. Uh, like his energy, he just has a good motor in general. Uh, he's good on the offensive glass. My weaknesses are, though, that he his jumping ability doesn't really stand out, which really limits his ability as a lob target. Uh, his three-point shot is still a work in progress, and he's still taking a limited amount. Uh, he lacks lateral quickness. He's pretty one-dimensional on offense. He hasn't shown anything as a passer, which even though isn't necessarily super important for a big man, for me, I love uh, my big man being able to be a good passer out of like, the high post. That's why I love players like Nikola uh, Jokic, like... Uh, like, uh, what is his name? Like Yusuf Nurkic. Players like that, I really like their ability to pass out of the high post. And even players like Carl Anthony Towns have gotten better at that. Jerome Bede has gotten better at that. So if he doesn't improve that, I don't really know how good he'll be at the next level. Uh, he needs to lower his turnovers. He, he lacks explosiveness, so he can't really beat defenders off the dribble. His rim protection may be limited due to his lack of leaping ability and explosiveness. And... Just overall, he's in a very fluid athlete. I rate him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. And I've been fitting best uh, with the Thunder. I think he'd be a good replacement for Nerlens Noel. He could get uh, easy points in the pick and roll because they have three great guards with uh, Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder. And I have the Mavericks too because he'd be some good insurance uh, for depending on how Dwight Powell comes back for his injury. And they already have bigs in front of him that would allow him develop as a more skillful player. And they have shown an ability to develop a three-point shooting big man multiple times. Dwight Powell has developed into a three-point shooter, Maxi Kleber. So I think they could really unlock his potential there. My comparisons are uh, Robert Williams, Zach Randolph, Derek Favors, and also uh, kind of like Kenneth Fareed. I think the best comparison would be a little bit of a mix of Robert Williams and kind of Fareed because he's a bit of an undersized center, and he does have shooting potential. So that is it for the scouting reports. Now I just want to quickly touch on uh, the Tom Thibodeau hire for the New York Knicks. Now I do not like this hire at all, just to get this out of the way. I just don't believe Tom Thibodeau is a modern NBA coach unless he's changed his ways if he still coaches like he does like he did for the Timberwolves I just don't believe in him especially for a younger team because he just hasn't shown the patience for me for younger players yet and he still plays such an old style of basketball on offense and defense uh, and I just don't like the fit for the Knicks at all because they already don't have good spacing and then he doesn't play a modern offense so it's gonna be even worse R.J. Barrett's going to be playing 40 minutes a game. And I just don't like the fit at all. I think they could have got a much better player, a much better coach for their players. Because they want to be a young team. They want to be a real building team. So I would have much rather uh, had them go f for a guy who is more of a player development coach. And even if they may not win now, they it would help them in the future more by getting a good player development coach who can help guys like rj barrett and mitchell robinson develop so i really dislike this signing and i don't think it's really gonna go anywhere for the knicks because this has happened so many times where they've hired these coaches to big five-year contracts 
and it never seems to work out. So I just don't like this. I would rather have them hire a guy like Mark Jackson. I would rather have them hire anybody except for Tom Thibodeau. I that's how much I just dislike him as a coach in the current NBA. He just doesn't fit how modern basketball is played. His, his schemes and everything just don't fit at all. So I think there was plenty of better options, but maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe they'll do some unexpected things, but I don't expect that at all. Uh, on to my last thing. I just want to briefly touch both on the MLB's comeback and the NFL. So I do think, sadly, for I'm not a baseball fan anymore, but I know plenty of people are. It's a sport that plenty of people love. I just don't see the MLB lasting the whole season. The way they're doing it with the traveling and just not having fans, letting the players go home and stuff, it just simply doesn't work for me. It's too much of a risk. We already saw the Marlins get a huge outbreak. Other players have already caught it too. So I don't believe in that. And then the NFL, even though it is a sport that I love, I do not believe in the NFL coming back at all. Because uh, the NBA and the NHL have done their bubbles, and that has worked so well because they're a lot smaller of a league. you got to think about this. The NFL, uh, a team has 53 play- active players on the roster. That's not even talking about uh, practice squad players. Then you got the coaching staff. There's a coach for almost every position. you got all the trainers and stuff. So unless they rent out like an island or they they rent out like a state, I don't think they're ever going to be able to create a big enough bubble for the players. And I don't think it works without a bubble, to be honest. I'm super proud of how the NBA's handled it. And I think you have to do the bubble at this point to make sure the players don't catch it, especially with how big the NFL is and multiple players. Uh, seven Patriots have already opted out. I think in total it's maybe like 13. So even though I'm super disappointed because I was super excited to see Cam Newton as a Patriot, see Jamal Adams as a, as a Seahawks, see DeAndre Hopkins with Kyler Murray, I just realistically don't see it happening. Uh, training camp is supposed to be happening, but I'm sure plenty of players will come in with positive tests. It's going to spread, and it's going to be a rough... They're either going to have to... Uh, do it later, do a shortened season, or because I just don't see how they can do a normal season under these circumstances. But yeah, that's my thought on the NFL. It's super sad, but it's just my honest opinion, and I'm really disappointed as a Patriots fan who was super excited about uh, seeing without Tom Brady, even though I was bummed out Tom Brady left, obviously. It was going to be cool to see Cam Newton as a Patriot. And there were so many exciting moves that happened. Patrick Mahomes got his big contract. We were going to see if they were going to repeat. The 49ers are maybe even better or just as good as they were. And so many teams have improved. I was super excited even to see teams like the Dolphins with Tua and stuff like that. But I don't think it's going to happen this year, which is sad. It's been a really tough year. But I'm just happy the NBA is back. Adam... Sam, uh, I said Adam Sandler. Adam Silver is the best commissioner in the entire world, in my opinion, and he's done a great job. So shout out to the NBA. The NBA is back. I'll keep bringing you guys plenty of content. Uh, we'll be getting to playoff time soon, which is super exciting. 
and the seeding games have been super exciting so i hope you guys enjoyed if you did make sure to share it with your friends uh if you're watching on youtube leave a like if you're listening on spotify or any of those other apps make sure to download it that's super important that helps me run these numbers up and it'll help my show keep growing so thank you guys everybody have a great day peace out